Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I am Bridget McGowan, your host, and I am joined by Baltimore-based Lanita Hostin. Lanita, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bridget, for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Well, I'm excited to have this conversation with you because you are a communication expert through and through. Tell me, how did this happen? Were you that person in school where you volunteered to read aloud and you did the speeches and everything? How did you end up in this world of effective communication skills? Yeah, I was not that person, actually. I was the person in head. I did not volunteer. I was in the back. I was I was comfortable back there. Um, I got into public speaking. It was a part of my job, actually. Um, and I was hired to oversee an outreach initiative. And in that role, I had to travel to speak. Um, I was doing eight assemblies. An assembly is like when you gather students in a cafeteria or auditorium. I was doing about six to eight a day for four years and okay. I developed. So I, I have to interrupt you and I have to ask, did you know that presenting at all of these assemblies would be part of the job before you applied or before you were hired? Uh, not quite. No, I knew that I would have to do presentations, but not that many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I heard the edge in your voice. Not, not that many. They slid it in on you. Okay, so is that's where the confidence started to build? Like, talk to us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I was being, you know, your voice is like a muscle. And I always say for people who fear uh, or have an uneasiness about presenting, that uneasiness um, will subside once you begin to exercise your voice. So. After doing that for three years, I didn't fear when someone was calling my name up to the mic or fear someone calling me out in a meeting to speak up. It was like a muscle was building and it grew my confidence. The byproduct of having a very like, I would say trained uh, sense of presentation skills is that my professional confidence grew exponentially. And that translated into how I interviewed for other opportunities, how I advocated for promotions, so there were a lot of transferable like byproducts of being thrown into six to eight assemblies a day. So in hindsight, I definitely believe it was a blessing for sure. I I just heard six to seven assemblies a day. I just spent two hours baking cookies at my son's school. I cannot imagine <laughs> seven mm -hmm. assemblies. Mm -hmm. And we're wow, talking wow. about middle schoolers too. That's where I got started. So um, I've gotten really good at putting together content in a way that would keep a presenter on or a listener on the edge of their seats. But because I had to, when we're talking about those who have short attention spans, I had to get creative with motion graphics and activities and content and visuals and sound. And so that's how I started. Where yeah. are you now and how do you keep your audiences, your listeners on the edges of their seats? Great question. 
um, now I'm actually teaching others presentation skills and the power of elevating your voice in the workplace, particularly workplace seniors. Um, I don't know if you've experienced this, but sometimes as you elevate in the workplace, you delegate the skills that you don't necessarily feel really confident about. And it's really easy for a senior leader who has a large team to delegate those vocal pieces. Like, okay, you lead this meeting or you uh, be the host. And when we do that, we're missing the opportunity to develop what I call a critical life skill, not just for us, but for our kids too, because everything that we learn, we will teach. And so what I've been, uh, you know, getting busy at doing is helping like workplace leaders increase the confidence and have the courage to come up to the mic. Come on up, because you have something to say. What's one thing a leader could put in place right now that would lead to that increased confidence, that would lead them to feel more comfortable with getting on that microphone? Absolutely. I always say preparation is everything. And I know that's very cliche, but if you know your team meets weekly or the regional team meets monthly or whatever, wherever some people are assembled and you have to show up, if you know you might be called on to speak or you could speak if you'd like to, prepare something to say. You're only gonna get better at the skill if it's exercise. So when we leave them dormant, they're unexercised, dormant meaning unutilized. So instead of running, because you don't have to technically, instead of running away, run too. In preparation to that meeting time, just think of a few things that you like to say and practice it aloud as you're driving there or as you're cooking breakfast before the virtual call. Say those words aloud. I'm excited to be here today. I just wanted to remind you as we're ending off the year, like practice those words. And it's through that you'll develop enough confidence. When the time comes, you're still going to be nervous, but that nervousness will subside the more you practice. So that would be my advice. Like if you have an opportunity where you can speak up, even if you don't have to, take the initiative to do so because you know on the back end you're developing a skill set. That would be my advice. Award-winning author, national edutainer, and philanthropist, Lanita Hostin empowers women leaders to build stronger connections with those they love and lead. Lanita started as a youth speaker traveling the country, equipping high school and college students with leadership and communication skills. After writing three books and two curricula for young adults and teaching communication courses at two universities, Lanita embarked on a new challenge, which is helping women leaders build the confidence to use their voices. Lanita also hosts her own podcast entitled Excellence in Everything We Live, where she gives communication tips, tools, and strategies to increase your confidence, competence, and competitive advantage. Make sure you listen and subscribe today. Excellence in everything, I said live, excellence in everything live. What is wrong with me? <laughs> listen and subscribe today. Now, I heard you say that you should practice what you plan to say, and you should practice aloud while you're in the kitchen, while you're doing the dishes, while you're driving to your meeting. Why allowed? Explain to listeners why that is so critical and so important because I tell folks the same thing, <laughs> but I need them to hear it from someone else. <laughs> yeah. Well, first, your mind is like a sponge. How we get things into our mind is through absorption. 
things are absorbed by seeing something repeatedly or hearing it repeatedly. So when people say I'm practicing or I'm rehearsing, what they're trying to do is train their mind to, to some degree memorize or to get a level of comfort or flow ingrained, etched in their minds. I don't know if you watched Beyonce's recent uh, movie documentary, but she was preparing for her uh, tour for four years. And in, during those four years, they were preparing through practice. So when she got up on that stage, everything that she did has been stored in her mind through repetition. So when you're practicing or preparing your remarks, you're saying them aloud to store them in your mind. It's almost like muscle memory. When you jump in the car today and you're going to a common route like your children's school, you don't have to think critically about turning left, turning right. And some, you might not even be thinking at all. You may be thinking about everything else, but where you're driving to. That's your muscle memory activated. Powerful presenters, they have their material, not memorized, but they have it prepared in such a way that the content is not something they're thinking about. The audience is what they're thinking about, their reaction. How can I get them to laugh? How can I get them to stand? How can I get them to engage? Because the material has been ingrained in them. So you got to be like Beyonce, enough repetition through your materials by saying it aloud. And, and the extra mile would be saying it in a mirror, like literally practicing the um, facial muscle movement that you're going to do. And the hand gestures like... Your body will memorize that too. And when the time comes, you'll be up there doing the homecoming sequence, but in your own language, of course. So yeah, that's why we say it aloud to help our mind retain the information. Just mentally glossing over the points that you want to cover, the ideas that you want to share, just kind of mentally flipping through it is not enough. But when you vocalize it, 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 it reminds me a little bit about my days of teaching. Uh, I used to teach as well. And we would talk about how you remember so much when you hear somebody else say it, and then you remember and understand it even more when you talk about it yourself. And then that understanding and that knowledge builds the more you engage with that content. So you hear the teacher say it, then you discuss the concept with a classmate, then you read about the concept a little bit more, then you write about it, then you do something else and build a project with it. It's the same concept here where you're thinking about the content, but then you're writing the content, but then you're speaking the content and you're acting out the content and you're putting your whole body into the content you are building that muscle. I can't say it enough. I know it feels corny, the idea of practicing a presentation full out or going through a script of what you plan to say in a meeting while you're making dinner. I know it sounds strange or what have you, and you're talking to an empty room, but your confidence and your audience will thank you. Yeah. Lenita, what is a favorite presentation you have? Oh my gosh. Okay, so um, Jack and Jill was a former client of mine in the pandemic, and they had a regional conference two years ago. Now, mind you, my work previously was with high school and college students, helping them devise communication skills and career plans. But Jack and Jill saw that I had the skill set to teach parents. Now, this is my very first time doing this. So I did a session on... Um, 
the power of your words and how are you using your words when approaching conflict? Bridget, there was not one dry eye in that room. And just to give you a frame of what kind of women were in this room. Well, let me back up for a second. When I arrived, everyone in the conference arena was seated like this. Yes. Prim and proper. Yes. <laughs> Arms These crossed. They're not <laughs> women that cry publicly. No. That would be, no, that just wouldn't be proper decorum in this type of environment. There was not a dry eye in that room. I had goosebumps. It was moving to take persons because we're all human at the end of the day, but we show up in these clothings and these environments with titles that sometimes don't allow us or don't make it safe to be and feel who we really are. And I always say, Bridget, wherever I'm training, teaching, or coaching, it only can be safe. And all those walls came down. That was probably my favorite. We had some really good conversations. Parents who want closer connection with their children, who've been butting heads, parents taking ownership of their communication style, parents maybe ready to apologize, ready to see and hear their their children for who they are, just a different ways to approach um, respect. And they were open, they were receptive. And that has been probably my favorite memory in the past 10 years. Wow, wow, wow. And you know something? It is your favorite memory. And I'll bet it's those ladies' favorite memory as well. How long ago did you deliver that presentation? 2000, probably, that was 2021, 2021. Easily they remember it. I guarantee you if they passed you on a sidewalk or if they see you in a store, someone is going to walk up and say, they may not remember your name. They may not remember the title of the presentation, but they will remember the impact and the energy that they felt in that room. I know you have a question for me and you'll get a chance to ask it in just a second. I want to talk a little bit more about that energy that you created and that impact. And I know you do it with all of your presentations. What, what would you say is an ingredient or a practice that you put in place that allows for that kind of energy or makes room, makes space for that kind of impact to show up? For sure. I always say, you know, my preparation starts the night before and not in the content, but in my energy. I always have like this, um, I want to have the capacity for whatever emotions come up in the room and being sleep deprived, arguing with my uh, partner the night before, or my mind being somewhere else doesn't quite give me the full capacity to be present with who the, what, like the people that are in the room and what might come up. And so part of that is me like the night before, getting rest, praying. And when I am physically in the room, a lot of um, a lot of the beginning time is spent creating connection. So I'm very transparent because um, I'm creating a, a somewhat of a safe environment that I would want if I were seated in that room. 
So I think through that. I also think through how uh, the people in the room are seated, the lighting in the room, the distance between them and I, and then the activities that I have planned based on what we're teaching. I think all of those things, they're small things, right? But they they could have a really big impact in the learning environment. And so I'm thinking through all of those things. And to be honest, Bridget, that's a lot to think about. And I'm sure you do the same thing. <laughs> it's a lot to think about, but I take this work. So I wouldn't even say seriously, it's, it's passionate for me. It's so passionate. And I didn't make this connection before, but a lot of why I'm passionate about communications is because of how I grew up and how my parents communicated with me. Wasn't the most healthy way. So I have this really ear, I have an ear for sensitivity, I have an ear for words, for praise. I have an ear for correction and love. And because I have that sensitivity, I just really feel like God is using me to not give other people the sensitivity, but the awareness about how their words impact others. Um, so yeah, I'd say definitely, it feels like, it's, it feels assigned, um, but it also feels very like, fulfilling and freeing too. I feel like you should invoice me for a therapy session right now because everything you're saying is just hitting the nail on the head, especially that piece about communication in childhood and how you are so attuned mm -hmm. to people's words now. And the tone and the inflection that's used. And so I'm telling you, you and I are on the same page. Do you discuss that in any of your books? So I don't have a book in this area that I've just pivoted to. We just started pivoting last year. And so I don't have one, but I do have a TEDx talk coming up in January. And there will be a book soon. Okay. Okay. We we will we will be looking for it for sure. Okay, what is your question for me, Lanita? Yes, so I'm always curious for those who have the courage to use their voice. What do you do to fight your nervousness? I don't. I embrace it. Right. So. Nervousness is okay as long as it is not physically debilitating you, as long as you are not sweating profusely and knees are buckling and you can't stand, right? So I never get to that point. So I don't fight it. I embrace it. And I like it because it is a reminder to me that I am concerned about doing a great job. If I ever find myself, Lanita, on a stage where I'm just kind of winging it and feeling pretty full of myself and thinking I'm all that, I need to be nervous. Mm -hmm. I, I, I need to be concerned is what I should say, not nervous. I need to be concerned that I'm not nervous. I see mm -hmm. nervousness as a sign that you are really focused on and dedicated to giving the audience what it came to get. I don't fight it. I embrace it. I look for it. I hope for it because then it keeps me on my toes. Mm -hmm. It makes sure that I give the audience something of value. Hmm. That's do you beautiful. I don't fight it. I embrace it. Thank you. Thank you. That. How do you, how do you fight it or handle nervousness? Now I'm going to the throne in prayer. I just pray every, 
pray. I just pray. Lord, just help me, please. Just please. You're, you're getting on bended knee. <laughs> no, really, that is my go-to. I, I pray and um I always pray before um anytime that I have a chance to speak, but um, and I just trust that whatever comes up is supposed to. I, and obviously I'm really big on preparation. Huge. Yeah. Oh, yes. Same, yeah. same. I cannot not prepare and not rehearse. And I'm talking about the mm -hmm. full blown me standing and doing the gestures and all of that in the hotel rooms or in my home office before webinar. Totally. Lenita, okay, can I ask you one more thing? Yes, okay. yes. Have you ever winged? presentation no no I don't know that I could no no I don't know that I wouldn't know what to do have I had to make on the fly adjustments yes have I had to make last minute changes because all of a sudden I got new information where I was like whoa this was not what I was told weeks ago and you're telling me this 10 minutes before the audience gets here yes mm -hmm. and so I'm kind of moving things around and figuring out what I can jettison and what I can adjust and shift. But in terms of getting up there, knowing I have not prepared, knowing mm -hmm. that I'm just shooting from the hip, that would be a hot mess.com. What about you? Same. I'm not, I'm not skilled in that way. <laughs> I did it one time, Bridget, and the, how I felt, oh my God, I, I couldn't even process the words I was going to say. First of all, just really quickly, I was keynoting. The person before me was a 13-year-old entrepreneur who was very well prepared. I mean, polished top to bottom. I listened to her keynote, and I, knowing I had to go next, petrified. I had nothing. So I tried to leave the room, try to put some words together. I couldn't even focus. My heart was beating so loudly. It's like that's all I could hear was my heartbeat. The only thing I remember from that engagement, Bridget, is them introducing me and me sitting down. I don't even, I can't even tell you what I said. And after that, I said, I would never do that again, ever. <laughs> so no, I, I don't. <laughs> I feel that way in those moments when I, I get the sense that I may be called upon to say a few words. Mm -hmm. I detest that. So when I know that there's that possibility, I'll try to, you know, scribble out a few points in the Uber as I'm riding over, not my preference, but that my heart, like you said, it's, it beats so fast and so loudly. I'm just like, God, just get me through this. Doesn't happen often, but there have been a time or two where I'm just like, please, please don't let them call on me, please. please. And I just want to like melt into the wall. I just, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I know it all too well. <laughs> Oh, Lanita, what's one last, what's one last thing our listeners need to know to make sure they always own the microphone? Absolutely. I would say, you know, everything that we model, we teach. And I'm a big advocate for our children. While I am pivoting from targeting, working with that population, they will always have my heart. And the way that I'm reaching them in the years ahead are through their parents. And so everything that you model, you teach. So if you model the courage to speak up, you're teaching that. If you model the courage to advocate for your kids in front of them and behind them, you're teaching that. When you model advocating for the promotion, you're teaching that. And it's a privilege to teach our children. So I hope that as you're thinking about opportunities to step up to the mic, 
what you'll think about, even if you don't have natural children, all of the people that you do touch, little people that is, and reminding yourself that everything that I model, I teach. So what is it that I want to teach? And commit yourself to that. Perfection, perfection. Lanita Hostin, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Bridget. I enjoyed myself. Fantastic. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in. I am Bridget McGowan. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. <laughs>